Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast, brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Every week, we'll meet an amazing executive who will share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. You can learn more about Women in ETFs and the exchange-traded fund industry at womeninetfs.com. We have a freebie for this episode, our gift to you. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. Find out more about our show, see some behind-the-microphone photos, and get a preview of our upcoming guests on Instagram and LinkedIn. All these links are in the show notes. So... Put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking to Michelle Mikos. She is the Managing Director of ETF Due Diligence at Invesco, where she has been for 16 of her 17 years in finance. She has a bachelor's from Notre Dame and recently completed her MBA at Oxford. She lives in Chicago, but really it's O'Hare. She travels like a maniac. Those are her words and she has been to all seven continents. Michelle is humble and kind, and I am so pleased she agreed to come on the show and talk mentoring. We've known each other for years, and I've seen the investment she's made in others. Welcome, Michelle, to We Talk Careers. Christine, thank you. All feelings mutual. I couldn't be more pleased to be here. Oh, thank you. This is going to be fun. So tell me, Michelle, you and I have talked mentoring uh, many times and across the Women in ETFs board and just with our growth of this organization as well. But when did you personally recognize the importance of mentoring and, and what did it mean to you when you realized it? Oh, Christy, I just love this topic. And we were just talking, you and I, about how lucky we are to live in an era when this focus on development is so front and center. So thank you for the thoughtful question. You know, taking a big step back. So if we're lucky, you know, we're raised with supportive parents, supportive teachers, coaches, but not all kids have this. In fact, many don't. And Supportive family and friends don't necessarily translate to self-expectation in a young professional person that they can take on something unfamiliar to them when they set out into the very foreign Mm. territory that is the workplace when you first start working. So a mentoring story that has always been very resonant and impactful for me Honestly, just the first time someone believed in me and I, you know, I hit the parents jackpot. Like I had that family that was very supportive, but it's very different when you have somebody in your industry, especially when that somebody is a very senior leader who helps you believe that you can do something. So yeah, again, the first time someone believed in me and, and that someone uh, was my first I guess you could say major boss, Bobby Brooks. He was Legacy PowerShares ETF's first national sales director. And you know, the belief he had in a number of people on his team was like being hit by a lightning bolt. <laughs> he, <laughs> he believed that you know I personally could do things, uh, as an example, manage a team of like 20 people at the age of 25, that I would have just never fathomed or pursued And there was something about his belief. I mean, there was just no second guessing in it. It was just a given like, hey, Michelle, you're going to do this now. You're going to do this now. And 
in a professional context, you know, I had never experienced that before. And it was, it was quite life-changing just in how I thought about my own abilities to see, you know, this other person believe that you can do something. So for me, a key takeaway to this story, aside from, you know, the impact it just had for myself and my own career development is for those of us who are more established in our careers, the importance of believing in others and making it the expectation that you think they can do something, especially if you have the authority to do so, to actually give them the ramp to do it. A final thing I'll just mention about Bobby and this mentorship relationship, and for me, what made it so trusting and I think so influential he was really transparent with his own journey. Oh, I love that you've mentioned that. In my career transition recently, it's to become an author. And I remember sort of finishing the first draft of my first novel. And I was so in love with the story, so in love with the character, so taken away by what they were going through. But there was the matching up of my skill as a writer to being able to convey what that story was that first time around. And I remember reading, you know, I'm a voracious reader of fiction, so I would read these great works. And then I would compare it to my own and think, oh, my gosh, why am I spending my time doing this? But, you know, I was so consumed by story. There was no other, you know, no other chance. And I remember a very prominent author giving me a chance by letting me read one of her first drafts, um, just a few chapters. And I was like, whoa, you know, like there is a part of the editing. There's that part of refinement that you're not just born with it. It's not just something that you come out either in the workplace or as a writer as whatever you do is being great at it. Right. So being able to be transparent and say, you know what, I was there and this is what I did and learn from my mistakes, learn from my successes. That's pretty great that he was willing to sort of let you in to knowing that about him. Christina, I'm stealing your very tangible example (laughs) on development. The first draft to the third, you know, I mean, God, for some authors, there's 30 drafts, aren't there, between, you know, what they sit down to write and what actually uh, is for sale on the shelf. So yeah, that's a perfect metaphor for it and um, couldn't agree with it more. (laughs) Absolutely. So how do you define a great mentor? So when you've boiled it down from Bobby Brooks to the rest of the folks that have influenced you and how you do it now, what really creates a great mentor? You know, it's it's interesting because there are, I suppose there are different mentorship relationships. I mean, I my first big mentorship experience happened to be with a boss um, or a senior manager. I mean, heck, even somebody who was in my own organization. But I think for some folks, you know, it might be a peer, it might be a senior leader in another industry, it could be a client. The relationship equilibrium between mentor and mentee can differ, but I do think there are some consistent expectations or or what works well, I think is consistent across mentorship relationships, regardless of what the pairing actually is. So some common themes that I've seen, not just in my own mentorship relationships, but certainly in other people's uh, healthy connection points too. So first, mentorship is not telling someone what to do. And for mentees, It's not about being told what to do. I feel that mentorship at its core is really helping professionals not go at things alone. We are rarely alone in our professional circumstances. We have managers, we have peers, we have clients, et cetera. But I think the mentorship relationship creates a totally 
objective platform for mentees to sort through how they think and how to think with the benefit of a sounding board and perspective from professionals who can relate and who perhaps have been there before and can provide some perspective. So sometimes I think like, especially with like mentees that are really, you know, kind of fresh to the workforce, it's like, okay, you know, if I get a mentor, it'll give me this very finite, clear black and white path on, on what to do. And I think if a mentee wants that, you know, it could be made available to them. But to me, it's much less about, you know, telling somebody what to do and much more about listening. And again, helping professionals not go at things alone. Some other kind of tenets or themes from you know healthy mentorship relationships, don't give advice unless someone expressly asks for it. I, you know, I think focusing on listening and asking questions is key and asking the mentee or the other individual if they want perspective before offering it unsolicitedly just helps that balance feel a little bit more safe. I think in mentorship relationships, a lack of judgment and a lack of assessment is really helpful to the relationship being healthy as well. I've done a lot of reading on the word should, and that that, that word should can be kind of dirty. Um, mm. it, it carries an immense amount of like obligation with it. So yeah, you should have done this. You should have done that. And even if we don't intend for it to be, the word should, it can wind up laden with judgment and assessment. So that's kind of a little rule of thumb that I try to keep in mind. It's just across the board, like removing the word should from your vocabulary. But, but I think bigger picture, you know, this notion of like assessment free and judgment free. I mean, heck, it, in, the, in the organizations in which we work, which are very results bound and very results driven, we get a lot of judgment and assessment. Right. So I feel like mentorship relationships thrive when they're the safe place that that are free of some of that. Another thing that's been kind of important, I think, is, you know, not making assumptions of a mentee's personality or, or like putting a label on a mentee in any way. So if a mentor observes patterns in thinking or patterns in behavior in a mentee, it can be easy to chalk it up to, oh, this is this sort of person, or you have this tendency to do this. But I think in those situations, seeking to understand the circumstances in whatever the mentee is talking about is profoundly helpful versus, you know, classifying the person as a certain type of person. I just always mm. feel that, you know, circumstances and situations tend to drive how a lot of people behave in the workplace. And when you can get to the root of that versus thinking, you know, it's something inherent to the individual's personality, that's a big deal too. The final thing I'll mention on this is I do think that great mentorship relationships thrive with structure. So like even the program that Women in ETFs runs for mentorship, there's this you know kind of beautiful balance that the organization helps support where it's like, okay, mentee and mentor, you both are going to commit to you know a certain timing, what your communication is going to look like. So whether that's committing to a call or lunch once a month, you know both parties kind of say it out loud and commit to it on the front end, and it just really helps ensure you know kind of this mutual respect relationship as well. That I think it's almost like the logistics of a mentorship relationship, and even if that connection point is informal. You know, it's just saying out loud sort of some of the respect components of what that communication is going to look like. Oh, so important. So important. I, I would love to circle back on that first thing that you were talking about with 
not telling them what to do. It so resonated with me. I was thinking about my first really formal mentor and what he did for me. And and one of the things that he did was to ask these very insightful questions of what my plan was. So he would ask me where I was going with something. And instead of pointing out perhaps some of the flaws or things that I hadn't thought of, he would just ask great questions like, well, how does this line up with corporately what's just been announced? Or who are you missing on the team? Like what skills aren't represented? Or when will you report this? And who will you report it to? And I feel like some of the questions that he asked me and made me answer like right away, you know, like just come on, you know, you need to know this stuff. It was the questions that I would constantly ask myself going forward. So just that his desire to sort of teach me through the process, as opposed to sort of giving me the answers, telling me right away, well, you know, you're missing this, or, you know, you haven't reported to so and so, so this is going to go wrong. He really helped me get there. And I feel like that's a large portion to do with not telling them what to do, right? Giving them the tools to get there. Absolutely. Christine, I don't want to compare us to barn animals, but it's (laughs) it's kind of leading the horse to the trough, isn't it? Right, right, Um, right. You know, use another uh, expression, I guess, like teach the person how to fish instead of catching the fish. I mean, it's when the mentor asks those questions, I think to your point, those questions live beyond the conversation that's happening at that moment. You know, I think the mentee absorbs those questions and reflection point. Like it, it kind of gets baked into their, you know, own thoughtfulness and process. And it may be five, 10 years later, they're asking another mentee the same thing. So yes. um, I feel like good mentorship relationships in some way are like therapy. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> if you go talk to like a mental health professor, it's like, you go in and, and you want, it's like, can't you just tell me what the answer is supposed to be or how I'm supposed to think about this? But, you know, it's, it, we all know it's much more effective to get the questions asked of you and yeah, lead the horse to the trough, so to speak. Absolutely. So as our business grows increasingly more global and collaborative, empathy becomes essential. We really need to understand where people are at. How do you create lasting and productive relationships without seeing or hearing the other person. I, I, I don't know how you would do it. So, you know, maybe others can fake it, but I feel that mentoring gives you a lens into another life. And I think that's what you were saying with, you know, it's almost therapy in some ways. You really do get this sort of special ability to really connect with somebody on their strengths and weaknesses and, and really be able to breathe life into it. So as your perspective grows and your capacity to engage with other people, what specific benefits do you have you experienced with being a mentor? I'm thinking of that episode of Friends where Phoebe <laughs> says, there's no such thing as a truly like altruistic, selfless right. deed. It's like every time you help somebody, it's like, well, you know, if you're feeling good from it, it's like, is that altruistic? But uh, Phoebe Buffet is sigh. Yes. <laughs> There's I think, always you know, something that relates back to a friend's episode, right? Always. Um, you know, I mean, heck, if the stories we've shared here reflect anything, it's that mentorship, it changes people's lives. This is not just, you know, a little like career, like side cart that you can take on. I mean, we work in such a people oriented business. So these mentorship relationships, I mean, you know, it's just as big in some cases as like your job and career is, or, or at least like a really significant contributor to it. So 
it changes people's lives. Preparing for this, something I was thinking about was as students growing up, we cherish memories and learnings from favorite teachers and coaches. Like they may have been hard on us, but they gave us attention. You know, I think deep down as kids, we knew their intent was good, even if they were being hard on us. And, you know, I just, I even talked to my folks about that. So, you know, you never forget the the fifth grade teacher or like a beloved coach. And I think in our professional lives, mentors can wind up carrying a similar torch, right? They can, they can have that same role. So you know, as professionals, when we look back on our careers, it's, it's similarly these relationships, this advocacy, these learnings that not only define our path, but create some of our best experiences and growth. So yeah, benefits for the mentor. I feel like odds are good that if you've entered into any sort of like mentorship relationship as a mentor or a mentee, like at least some component of you is a people person or you care about human beings enough to be having the conversation in the first place. So I just, I think career and professional life gets so much more interesting and so much more rewarding when your professional life is more than just your job. That was a huge pivot point for me personally when I started engaging more with women in ETFs. Like when your professional life translates or, or grows from, oh, my job and all of the internal things at my company to meeting all these individuals outside of just your firm. I, there's just a confidence that comes with knowledge and more connection points. And very selfishly as a mentor, I mean, there's a great pleasure to just meeting more people. You know, that was a big part mm. of it for me too, is just developing, you know, close connections and connections of understanding with individuals who, you know, don't necessarily sit inside of your own firm. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that. And I, I love the opportunity to to really to learn on both sides if you're going to explore folks outside of your company. So yes. you had touched earlier on some of the logistics about, you know, some structures and things like that that can be set up. Many of our listeners are also looking to be mentees. How do you be a great one? Like, how do you really show up well as a mentee so that your mentor continues to want to work with you? Sure. So I, a funny little thing to share. A good friend from my grad school program who is from Albania told me recently that in her language, the word for relationship is literally give and take ship. Like if you take the words for give and take in her language <laughs> and put them together, like that's what the word relationship is. And I, mean, I think that so beautifully applies to any relationship personally or professionally that we have in our lives, but a mentorship relationship is no exception. There's, you know, give and take on both the mentor and mentee side. And on the surface of a mentorship relationship, it could appear, um, it's like, oh, you know, the mentor is the person with the knowledge and experience and the mentee is the person who's always asking for help. But in my experience, a mentorship relationship has never 
actually panned out that way. It's far more equivalent, I guess, and there's much more equilibrium to it. So I don't know, perhaps takeaway number one there of being a great mentee is understand that even if you don't have the same experience level and skills that the mentor you're talking to might have, it doesn't mean that your insights aren't going to be like just as valuable to that relationship. You know, I current state am a mentor and a mentee. And I'll say that my conversations, you know, going both directions, like with mentees and mentors, they feel kind of similar. I, you know, it, it's, it's a two-way street. It's a discussion. So a few other things here, um, I would say it, we've talked a lot about how to put structure and framework around this. But but I would also say it doesn't have to be an official relationship. Outside of the Women in ETFs mentorship program, of which I'm part, like my mentors never asked me to be a mentor and I never asked them to be. It's just a person whose perspective and conduct you super trust. Um, and, and when you find these people who have you know, the integrity and judgment that you trust and you just inherently respect them. I mean, I guess my guidance to a mentee would be, you know, be persistent and proactive as heck in, in when you find those people, you know, seeking them out and finding ways to keep them in your life. So, and again, just, just to kind of rephrase some of that, because I think it's important if you're a prospective mentee and you want mentors in your life, you know, I don't think that means you need to find like an official program. Like this can be as simple as taking the form of like just going to a person whose opinion you trust and saying, you know, you'd like to tap them for their guidance and perspective more routinely. That said, whether a mentorship relationship is informal or formal, you know, we talked a little bit about the commitment points that can help. I, you know, I think if you are especially if that mentorship relationship is with like a boss or you know someone in management at your own firm or someone like in HR at your own firm i think having more of like the agreed upon commitment on the front end helps there you know these are kind of just little simple things like respecting each other's time so when you book a conversation showing up on time avoiding rescheduling if you can. You know, I think for every single one of us, especially in this Zoom and Teams world in which we live right now, you look at your outlook for the week and it's just chock full, right? And it can be very, very easy with like the mentorship conversation that you've got on the books for the week. It's like, okay, well, this is the one that's not as imperative or if I'm double booked with a client, like this is the one that I'm going to have to move. But I think if you try to like treat these conversations with the same seriousness and import that you would a conversation with a client or a business partner or your boss, and again, just like showing up on time, avoid rescheduling in the end, you know, that helps the mentee. This isn't just about the mentor's time. And I think that helps the mentee as well because you're taking it that much more seriously and then last but not least, I think coming to discussions prepared with specific questions and specific observations just makes mentorship conversations like so much more impactful. And the more facts that a mentee can provide, the better, because it can be easy, like especially if we're struggling in our careers, and Lord knows we all have at one point or another, making those kind of big sweeping generalization. You know, it's like, oh, this is always like this, or this is always like this. 
and it can be difficult to get to the root of what's actually there and like what the challenges that the person might actually be facing. So I think like specificity and examples and facts are key when it comes to successful <laughs> mentorship conversations. And it, it doesn't feel like an hour of prep. I mean, literally taking like the five minute, maybe it's just like even looking back on your past week, you know, whatever recall is easiest for you. But it's like, okay, you know, what's a situation that happened at my job this week that I just remember, you know, kind of having some negative feels after I came out of that conversation. Like talk about that. I, I just find the more, like the more specific and the more fact-based, um, the more kind of case study you can make it, the more impactful a conversation is going to be in trying to get to the root of how do you make something better or or what do you do with that set of observations? Right. Kind of going back to the, what you said about equality in the beginning. And I was trying to put myself in, in that situation and thinking back um, to a very specific mentor that I had who was very successful. And I remember thinking, my insights are not valuable at all. Like I was, um, I had so much to learn. And I remember feeling that disequilibrium in the relationship and yes. thinking, what do they have? You know, like, why would they continue investing in me if I'm not actually bringing anything? And so actually, I, I sort of started a, a campaign of looking for ways to like support my mentor. So they were really looking into a, a certain type of business um, opportunity. And I would read everything I could and send links and, you know, send different pieces of information. Not all the time, wasn't flooding, but, you know, with my little insight on the top, hey, I found this one interesting because it talked about this. I found this one interesting because it talked about, you know, capital formation in this way. And although... I myself couldn't come up with the insights. I could read and digest the insights and provide it. And I really felt like that was one way. And I, I have no idea. I should have asked whether that was the reason why he sort of kept me on as a mentee for so long. But um, I have to say that it, it must have factored in in some way to be of some value. And, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, every mentee has to sort of go to bat for their mentor and do things. But, you know, finding that ways to be a unique mentee where you are looking to understand how that relationship is a give and take, I think is important. I love that example, Chris. I think there's two interesting takeaways here. You know, one, as a, like from just kind of like the pure informational standpoint, it's like, okay, mentees, like you have the ability to bring so much to the table, like so much more than you probably even realize. Like with that example, Christine is like a perfect example. And the second takeaway being that's great to do. And also you don't have to like, mm -hmm. as you were talking about the equilibrium in your like kind of early stages of that relationship, I felt the exact same way almost um, sheepish and a little embarrassed to be asking, you know, these big senior people for their time. And if there was one thing I would tell folks considering a mentorship relationship as a mentee right now, it's like, my gosh, do not feel you know sheepish or embarrassed to go to a person you like and trust to ask for this. And I'll just say, remember Phoebe Buffay, people love helping other people. Like, I think only sociopaths like don't actually get pleasure from helping another person. So, you know, jokes aside, like mentors love the role of being a mentor. I, I just feel like that's categorical. Like any person who I've talked to who has been in a position of helping other people, they learn, they enjoy it too. So don't ever feel sheepish about asking other people for their time. Odds 
are going to be very, very, very good, that they're going to be just as excited to be a part of that conversation as you are. Absolutely. And if they're not finding out who they think might be, you know, because sometimes there's something that they see in you and they say, you know what, I might not be the best mentor, but I tell you what, somebody that, you know, I know well, someone that I know has these types of skills might be because, you know, sometimes these relationships, there's chemistry to them as well, right? I think it's okay to sort of date around a little bit to find, you know, the right mentors in your life. That's a great point. Bandwidth is a very real issue for some senior leaders. And I've been very impressed by like some senior managers that I've worked with who have perhaps not directly in response to like a mentorship ask, but certainly into other volunteer requests for their time have just very simply state like, you know, I'm so sorry, I don't have bandwidth for this. So to any prospective mentee who might find themselves in that sort of situation, obviously don't take it personally. It's that manager, I suppose, actually being quite straightforward and direct and professional about their own time. And I think, you know, for them to suggest somebody else is a kind of a, a perfect course of action to take for that. Yes. So we talked a little bit about my being on a writing journey because I love story. It's why I'm thrilled to be able to host this podcast. So I always end um, our conversation with asking our guest about what book you've read recently. So Michelle, what has inspired you? What what are what are you reading? Ooh, am I allowed to share a few, Christine? Oh, please. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the other things we had chatted about with this was um, advice for other generations of leaders. And and I I mean, I know that I'm in a position to give that, but I would say read extensively about human psychology. I have found a lot of these books infinitely more valuable, or at least as valuable as a lot of the business books that are out there, which, you know, a lot of those business books largely pull from the same very, you know, human psychology stuff anyway. So two books that have just absolutely changed my life include The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck and Feeling Good by David D. Burns. These books were both written decades ago by professional psychologists, and these books focus largely on how to think, how, I mean, it's basically cognitive behavioral therapy stuff, how to think, how to react. You know, my two favorite words in the universe, personal responsibility, just kind of taking ownership for the thoughts that we cook upstairs in our heads. If you're a leader, I think dedicating time to understand how humans think and how you think, it could be the most important exercise of all. So I I just love to mention those two and maybe a special shout out to my longtime friend, Ian Lovett, who um, used to work at PowerShares ETFs and uh, was the individual who recommended The Road Less Travel to me. And we will put those links in the show notes so that people can access them. That's great. And then what what else do you got for us? Okay, so the final one, I went into Barnes and Noble a couple days ago on impulse bought meditations uh, by Marcus Aurelius. And oh my. I, you know, I just brief sidebar. I mean, I love looking up at the stars at night and just thinking it's like, my God, human beings who existed 2000 years ago, looked up at these same stars with the same reflections of humanity and the same questions of life and purpose and how to be good. It's just incredible. And I feel like there's so much connectedness like you get from that. So 
Meditations, I haven't finished it, but I mean, so far it's just been an incredible read. It, it's kind of shockingly relatable. And that in and of itself is almost hilarious to me because wow. an emperor of Rome pondered yeah. and wrote extensively on the exact same things that we struggle with today in the workplace how to deal with difficult people, how to treat people, retaining emotional control in challenging circumstances. So again, in addition to like just kind of the helpful, absolute guidance that you get from a read like this, I, I just feel like there's this deep sense of connectedness as well, really stemming from the fact that humans who existed millennia ago uh, experienced the same things that we do today. We're never alone. I, I feel like when you when you reflect on that and, and read, it's just, we're never alone, right? Folks have, have been through this before. And, and again, I feel like that's the whole key to mentorship uh, in the first place. So, well, I'm not done with that one. I, I, I think I'm far enough into it to say it's another recommendation. Oh, I love it. Yes. And it'll be in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Michelle. You've taken us on a journey through mentorship. I mean, really just so much to unpack in the importance of mentoring relationships, both as the mentor and really some great things to think about in being a mentee. This has been great. Thank you so much. Christine, I loved this. I'm, I'm so, again, just delighted to be thought of for it. These sorts of relationships have changed my life and I, I just can't advocate for it enough. So thank you. And this was a ton of fun. I was really pleased to be here today. Oh, good. I'm so glad. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you'll let it be transformational in how you think about people and how you think about your career and I'm rooting for you. Once again, I'd like to remind you to go to womeninetfs.com to find out more about diversity, about opportunity, and about the events in the exchange-traded fund industry. Please also check out this episode's freebie where I've listed some great resources on mentoring with a handy checklist you can use as you start up some new relationships. You'll find it at christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please make sure you do so. We have a season of incredible guests don't miss out. And if there's a topic you'd like to hear us tackle, please let me know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.